What's going on, everybody? How's it going out there in podcast land? And welcome. Welcome to questions like this. Welcome to the final podcast review of 2017. This is the year. This is our year in review episode right here where we take a look back at some of the best films of the year and ones that should have been left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, and we're we're also looking forward to what's in store in 2018. We'll talk about some uh, some films we'll, we're looking forward to and some of the actors and actresses we think are going to have a pretty good year next year uh, based oh, on some of their work in the past couple of years and definitely for a few of them, this year was probably their strongest year yet. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we should just get right into it. Uh, feel like we have a lot to talk about and uh <laughs> yes. yeah just before we started uh, i i told alex like uh, yeah i forgot what fucking movies came out this year so <laughs> it's a lot uh, a lot of blockbusters a lot, take in. a lot of documentaries and yeah a lot to take in so yeah so, uh, <laughs> so this is it this is uh questions like this the year in review so for starters you know, before we before we start talking about you know the best films of 2017, which I'm sure we'll be talking about pretty soon, what movies deserve not to be released this year? Uh, did you see that uh, Coen Brothers movie? Which one? Fuck, what's that called? Uh, Son Coen of Brothers bitch. did a film. Yeah, Coen Brothers did a film with with a good guy. Suburbicon. There we go. Oh, Suburbicon! No, yeah. I did not see that. It's uh, did you? Clooney actually directed it. Um, it is it is a disappointment. Surprising. That's the one that has uh, Matt Damon. Yeah, in it, right? Matt Damon, Julianne Moore, Oscar Isaac. Um, basically, a mild mannered man. Uh, dealing with the ramifications of a home invasion in 19, 1950s. Mm. Yeah. I don't oh, know. Given boy. the talent, I thought it would be so much better, but the plot was just... I don't know. It didn't really gel. It was like, uh, they, you know, there's like the social satire element in like any good Coen Brothers movie. Uh, mm-hmm. there's racial commentary, murder mystery, but it just ends up being like a mess. And like, despite the fact that, you know, Julianne Moore, Oscar Isaac, uh, Matt Damon's in it. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't really stand out. I expected better from Clooney and the Coen brothers. Right. I feel like, I feel like this is one of those rare missteps for pretty much every actor yeah. And a part of this, like, you know, Clooney is like, yeah, like, you know, I directed this uh, piece of shit film, but I also sold my uh, tequila company for two and a half billion dollars. So I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I also felt like uh, Murder on the Orient Express didn't need to be released. <laughs> that I know. I thought I was going to see that. Hell, I even read the book in preparation for it, but. To be honest, after reading the book, I was actually so riveted by the book that I didn't want to see the movie. It is impossible to basically adapt Agatha Christie into a movie because there's so much going on in the books and all the characters Mm -hmm. are extremely complicated. And uh, 
very nuanced that you can't really fit even in like a two three hour movie and i will i will give kenneth brown of this like he's good as Hercule poirot and all of the cast oh, members are really good he's, but, not, he's not that distracting with that huge ass mustache i mean you gotta have the huge ass mustache <laughs> but yeah it, 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 i don't know it, it it does feel like it was unnecessary to to have so many stars in one movie and they end up being underutilized. I mean, Daisy Ridley's in it, Leslie Odom, um, mm-hmm. Shel Pfeiffer, and um, it's got a got an amazing cast. No, I yeah, mean, it certainly has the potential to be like you know one of the biggest hits of the year, but. I don't know. You get a cast that big, you know, with that many egos involved, something is bound to happen. Yeah, and it's 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 really hard to juggle so many people who can act very well and it's just like the constraints of the movie. It's like Yeah, it it's stuck it it's set on a train that's stuck uh on a mountainside and there's not really right. much room for them to explore all of the characters. Again, it's it's a it's a constraint of the format. We're not really going to sit down and watch a 5-hour movie. Mhm. Yeah. It's a shame. It's a it shame. is a shame. Uh I just but I just I, walked out of it feeling like I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me the film that I saw this year that oh, look I enjoyed it in the sense that it was fun to laugh at, but overall, it's an absolute horrible, horrible film. Baywatch. Yeah, that's that's one of the movies I forgot came out this year. <laughs> you and a lot of other people forgot it came out, but yes, I I decided to torture myself one day and said, "Fuck it, I'll go see Baywatch. Let's see how it is. It might look ridiculous, but it's got Dwayne Johnson in it." So let's see how it is. And you know what? It was exactly as I thought it was going to be. And yes, there were a few funny moments here and there, but overall, just forget it. (laughs) I mean, Dwayne Johnson assumes the Mitch Buchanan role that David Hasselhoff made so famous. There's even a weird sequence where... Uh, Mitch is fired from his lifeguarding job and he winds up working inside a, a phone store, like a sprint store. And then Hasselhoff comes in in character as Mitch Buchanan. It's just, it's both hilarious and weird at the same time. Yeah. Um, I mean, everything I know about this movie is just based on the trailer. And I was like, is this necessary? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and look you know like give credit to the rock for bringing something new to this role but i just felt like everything else was kind of unnecessary yeah um yeah i was and... priyanka chopra like i was surprised she wanted to do this film 
I'm pretty sure she got paid a lot of money to do that film. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's Priyanka Chopra, man. She was voted Miss World one year. She was one of the most, she's one of the most talented actresses today. Yeah. And she does this. I mean, like she's, you know, she's, she's doing Quantico. So like, just do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I will be honest, though. I did think she was a pretty good villain. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I thought she thought she did a good job. All right. What What else did you think uh, was not? Uh, you, you didn't think should be released. There was this little indie film that came out this year. I saw it at the Landmark Sunshine. It's called The Little Hours. Oh, yeah, yeah, with uh, Alison Brie and uh, um, Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza. Plaza. Kate Micucci. Yeah. Yeah, and every year there's always that one film I see that the most it's the most WTF film I see that year and this one like and this one takes the cake for this year. <laughs> it look, it sold me immediately because it's Alison Brie, Aubrey Plaza, and Kate Micucci playing a few foul mouthed nuns in like the fourteenth century. It's like, okay, I'm in. It's satire. Let's do this. And it's, it's got a good cast, too. It's got a good cast. It's got, um, who's in it? John C. Riley is in it. Molly Shannon is in it. Nick Offerman is in it. Uh, Dave Franco is in it. But it's just, it's, uh, <clears throat> okay, here's the premise, in case anybody's never seen it before. Uh, Dave Franco's character works in this castle for Nick Offerman's character. And he and Offerman's wife uh, engage in a, in a long affair, like last months between the two of them. And, you know, and Nick Offerman finds out eventually. And so Dave Franco runs away. He finds this monastery that's run by John C. Riley and Molly Shannon, and in order to conceal his identity, he has to pretend he's a mute. Go on. Uh, apparently, he runs into John C. Riley's character uh, on the way, and John C. Riley was entrusted with uh, selling uh, these uh, tapestries that the nuns made in the local town, but apparently he got, he got drunk and, uh, the tapestries ended up getting dumped in the river. <laughs> and so they agree to keep each other secrets. Uh, Dave Franco meets all the nuns who try to, who first try to get him to talk. And then, because they're celibate, they try to have sex with him. It's just... Mm, it made me a little bit uncomfortable watching it. Nice, dude. 
yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, I know. I know. I know Dave Franco and Allison Brie are married in yeah, real life. Yeah. It's just weird seeing you know someone who's like husband and wife act opposite each other on screen. Yeah, it is a little weird. I don't know, but apparently they they make it work because it's the only believable relationship in the entire movie. So <laughs> good for them. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, Aubrey Plaza was also in what I think is a much better film this year. Uh, Ingrid Goes West. Oh, that's a fantastic film. Yeah. Um, that is, that is a fan- it's a terrifying film, but it's also fantastic as well. Yeah. I, th- this is the year of like Aubrey Plaza like playing. Well, I mean, I guess she's always played kind of people who are a little cuckoo. But um, she was in that TV show Legion where... She's uh, she was also mentally unstable, but in a different kind of way. But in this movie, I mean, I guess uh, I guess it's a comedy drama, but she is kind of she's kind of a terrifying character when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. And I think with Ingrid Goes West, it really kind of. uh, cast the spotlight onto uh, today's generation and how a lot of people are obsessed with becoming quote unquote internet famous. Oh yeah. And how, and how they literally follow the advice of anybody, like literally anybody on the internet right now. It really, really opened my eyes to it. It's like, it's like, holy shit. Like, you know, look, I don't know. It's like maybe this shouldn't be what the internet is for. Maybe try and obtain some better role models than people who just take uh, pictures of food all the time. Yeah, it is, it is a good commentary of like um, social media influencers and uh, people who are extremely obsessive about online fame. Mm-hmm. And it's got a good cast besides Aubrey Plaza too. Um, Elizabeth Olsen, uh, Ice Cube Jr., <laughs> and, O'Shea Jackson uh, Wyatt, Jr. Wyatt yeah. Russell. Uh, he steals the movie O'Shea Jackson Jr. Oh yeah, <laughs> he steals the movie. I mean, it may be Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza's movie. Literally, she also uh, uh, produced it mm-hmm. as well, as starring in it. But he he's he's not only cast as like the comic relief. But he's also cast as like the calming influence, the one that keeps uh, uh, Ingrid sane for the most part while she's out in L.A. Yeah. I mean, also, I like the the guy has like an autism for Batman. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I identify with that aspect of his character. Me too. (laughs) Me too. Maybe not the uh, maybe not the. the constant vaping, but the Batman influence definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, well, they they have to put vaping in there. This is this is the millennial movie. I think that was his idea. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's. Uh, I feel like he looked at the script and he said, like, you know, uh, hmm, let's see, what would he do that would like make him make this guy stand out? 
oh, this guy vapes all the time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, vape nation. Vape nation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I, mean? <laughs> I want to talk about a movie that's like not good, but also not bad. And I, I had enjoyment when i watched it and and i'm talking uh, the hitman's bodyguard with ryan ah, reynolds yes. and uh samuel Sam jackson. l jackson what a film what a film i felt like it was perfect because the two of them working together is just fantastic yeah I mean the 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 plot in and the in the movie is unremarkable, but just Ryan Reynolds and Samuel L. Jackson for the entire movie is ooh man, <laughs> incredible chemistry. Uh, absolutely. Well, the moment I saw the trailer, I'm just like, yeah, I'm gonna have to see this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, mm-hmm, yep, uh huh. I mean, what? When else are you gonna see Deadpool and Mace Windu in a film? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he prefers to be called Nick Fury now, but yeah, let's keep calling him Mace Windu. Hey, he wanted to be Mace Windu, man. I know. And, and they gave him his own lightsaber color. No, he specifically requested for a purple lightsaber. Yeah. He was the only one yeah. allowed to have a purple lightsaber color. That's right. Uh, well, I mean, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. I mean... I was surprised like Mace Windu didn't have like a Bamf belt or something. Uh he he's a Jedi, he can't have a Bamf belt. <laughs> he uh like maybe he worked something out with Lucas. It's like uh yeah, Mace Windu is the only Jedi allowed to fuck. <laughs> allowed to fuck, allowed to curse. Yeah. Oh, besides uh Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. And uh well uh, we'll talk about Star Wars later, but yeah. Um, the, 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 the less said about uh, Hayden Christensen's uh, quote-unquote acting in that film. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> look, he, he can act. Don't get me wrong. I have seen films where he is is capable of pulling off a good performance, but I don't know if it was his delivery or if it was just the terrible script or I don't know what it was, but I think it is a terrible script. I mean, George oh, Lucas crap. is not like, well, I mean, to be fair, star Wars is not known for its, uh, you know, my dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing. I mean, I mean, Harrison shit. Ford was like, George, you sure as hell can't, you can, you sure as hell can, can write this shit, but you can't say it. Right. <laughs> no, but to be honest, you know what it actually is? It's fan fiction. It is. It, <laughs> I just realized that now. Most of his writing in the Star Wars movies is fan fiction. Yeah, like, and I mean, I've read, like, a lot of fan fiction and, like, you know, Sturgeon's Law is in effect. Sturgeon's Law is, like, you know... It, any given thing there's going to be a metric ton of shit but you know there's there's some golden shit so 
Yeah. Uh, prequels, uh, the dialogue are in that, uh, are in that shit pile. <laughs> oh boy. So, so yeah, moving on, uh, the hitman's uh, bodyguard, um, Tells the story of this uh, washed-up bodyguard, played by Ryan Reynolds, who's meant to escort the you know eponymous hitman, played by Sam Jackson, to the uh, what is it? Oh yeah, he he has to testify at the International Criminal Court against this one uh, uh, president slash drug lord from Belarus, played by Gary Oldman. Yeah, so basically the guy that drank poison in the International Criminal Court in real life. Yeah, that's who Gary Oldman is basically playing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, uh, again, plot unremarkable, but man, just the banter between Samuel L. Jackson and Ryan Reynolds from like them like fucking around in England. Amsterdam. Uh, and then Amsterdam, and uh, it's being in a car with nuns. <laughs> <laughs> the look on his face, on Ryan Reynolds' face when he's in that van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the Samuel L. Jackson, like, seeing popolo, 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 popolo. And just like, yeah, yeah. This, uh, Ryan Reynolds, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, he killed uh, <laughs> 100 people. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love the scene where uh, the, uh, he's in a shootout. Sam Jackson's in a shootout with some of the bad guys. And Ryan Rose is just like sitting at this bar. He's just like, you know, like, there he goes again doing his thing. I I really hope they kill him. I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, no, no, no. Here's the line. It's like, go with God. This man's killed over 150 people. <laughs> And he just responds, 250, easy. (laughs) No, yeah, I loved it. It's it's better than it had any right to be, to be honest. I know, but you know what? It was a good film in the sense that the chemistry was there between the two lead actors. And it made, did it make money? Did it make money? I think it made okay. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. $30 $30 million budget made 176 Not bad. Yeah. Yeah, not bad. And a $30 million budget uh, in this era of big-ass fucking blockbusters. Wow. Yeah, but how about... I know. You would think, well, this movie's going to do nothing. But no, when it's done right on that low of a budget, that's truly something special to witness. Yeah. I mean, look, look at a film like uh, Baby Driver, for example. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that, that was only $34 million. Definitely. $34 million budget, but because the storyline was so compelling and the writing was fantastic and the acting was phenomenal, then... And the directing was fantastic. And, of course, that killer soundtrack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's such, oh, my God, it was such a great film. I was pleasantly surprised by it, even if it features a pre-sex uh, uh, scandal uh, Kevin Spacey. 
Yeah, I was also surprised by the movie. I wasn't I wasn't really expecting anything, but then I walked in and I was like, "Oh, wow. This is great." <laughs> yeah. I mean, Edgar Wright, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um <clears throat> You know what else the uh this is the year of uh this is the year of horror films. Oh, yes. And uh of course, we have to talk about Get Out, but before we get oh into that, um, mm-hmm. I also enjoyed a French movie called Raw. Uh, yeah, and, you uh, told me about that one. The Black Coat's Daughter with, uh, what's her fucking name? Emma Roberts and uh, Kiernan Shipka and Lucy Boynton. Black Coat's Daughter is also has a great creepy fucking soundtrack. Um, I loved it. And... Yeah. Uh, Raw is, I think it talked about it a little bit, maybe, maybe not, but yeah, basically it's a French movie about, uh, I guess it's a kind of like a coming of age metaphor, like a awakening metaphor, but with cannibalism. Mm. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's yeah. a fun little element. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack is good. It has a very haunting soundtrack to it. Not really, actually. It, uh, it's there's a lot of like acoustic and uh, church organs, uh, so it's it's kind of like contrasting between like this indie-ish vibe, but also when when the scary moments happen, there's scary noises. Huh. I mean. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the the plot of the film right now on Wikipedia, yeah. and hmm, I don't know. It says this film is a coming of age horror film that deals with a young vegetarian's first year at veterinary veterinarian school when she tastes meat for the first time and develops a craving for flesh. Yeah kind of a hard sell but it's definitely worth a watch uh written and directed by a woman and the lead actress she's fantastic i hope she gets into more movies uh what's your name uh garance marie Marie yeah let's see which hmm. well here's hoping here's hoping that uh in the next uh, few years she becomes uh, more of a big deal yeah and um, one more horror movie that I liked. Uh, it comes at night. Yeah, some somebody once. It comes at night. What you think of it? I liked it. You know, it's it's one of those horror movies that doesn't rely on cheap bullshit scares. It does. Mm-hmm. It does have like this atmosphere of like oppressive, spooky shit going on, and. It's never really answered why exactly like this world has gone to shit and why people mistrust each other and why there's this pall over the movie. And mm-hmm. I feel like there there was a trend in movies where they they needed to explain everything and it's kind of nice to have like mysteries going on. Mhm. All right. No, that's good. I appreciate a film that uh you know, goes outside the box and avoids uh, conventional uh, horror movie tropes. Yeah. A great, great small cast, too. Uh, Riley Keough, 
Um, he's a fucking Joel, Joel, Joel Edgerton. Edgerton. Yeah. Uh, Carmony Jogo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all great. That's good. That's good. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. But I mean, for me, when it comes to films in general this year, the one that it's going to easily take the cake for me is Get Out. Absolutely. It's a smash success. Oh my God, is it ever. The fact that it got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes after its first week. I remember when I saw, like, I saw the trailer for this online. Like I was scrolling through Facebook one day and I came across this trailer for Get Out. I'm thinking to myself, like, like wait, is this a comedy? Is it a horror? And I saw the... It's like, you know, it's a directed by, directed by Jordan Peele. I'm like, wait, what? It's like, like Matt TV, Key and Peele, Jordan Peele. Yeah. You know, just because of that, like directed by, directed and written by Jordan Peele. I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be a comedy. I know. I thought so too, but no, no, it's, oh, it's something else. It's yeah. something else entirely. It is probably the not only one of the best films of the year, not only is it one of the scariest films of the year, but it's the biggest uh, movie on social commentary and race relations that I've seen possibly ever. Yeah. And I mean, this is also the year that Detroit came out, but I think Get Out went about the the social commentary in a more impactful way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And all the, all the subtle hints that Jordan Peele kept dropping throughout the, uh, throughout the movie to determine like, you know, who you could actually trust. I mean, besides the main character. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk about Daniel Kaluuya, man. What a fucking Oh my actor. God. Daniel Kaluuya deserves every single award coming to him. I'm, I, I want to call it right now. I hope he gets best actor, not only at the Golden Globes, but the, at the Oscars as well. He gave the best performance of the year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had, when I saw the trailer, it's like, wait a minute. Like, I know this guy. Where have I seen him? before and i did a quick search and it's like oh yeah he's on black mirror he's actually on my favorite episode of black mirror yeah the 15 million merits one that's right it's a great one it's it is he's one of the actors that we think are gonna have a great year next year absolutely i think everyone's seen him in get out and uh everyone's seen him in black mirror so hopefully uh, he gets more work, and he deserves it. He deserves it. Hey, he might consider him. Oh, he's going to be in a Black Panther next year. Yeah, yeah, he is. And he's also, I think he's, yeah, he's going to be uh, starring in a uh, miniseries called Watership Down. Oh, shit, they're making Watership Down again? Yeah, they're turning it into a miniseries. Man, I thought the only rabbit movie coming out next year was uh, Peter Rabbit. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, apparently not. 
<laughs> Apparently not, but oh my God, look at this cast. This cast is insane. James McAvoy, Nicholas Holt, John Boyega, Ben Kingsley, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Gemma Arterton. Yeah, that is stacked as hell. I think yeah. I like everybody in that cast. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And man, uh, James McAvoy, did you see Split? No, I didn't. I'm kicking myself for not seeing that. You know what? Everybody gives my boy M. Night Shyamalan a lot of shit over the years, but I'm not going to say it, but he's back, baby. He's back. You're calling it. He's back. I, I am calling it, and I if he makes that sequel to Split, and... Uh, Oh, you if mean, you've uh, seen if you've seen Split, uh, you know you know the twist. But uh, yeah, I think I think he's back. I think he might. I think he might make the sequel. Yeah, he's got so much momentum going around right now. He's got. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Unbreakable Two comes out uh, in the next few years. Yeah. And uh, and even besides uh, James McAvoy, Anya Taylor Joy, uh, who you might first have seen in The Witch, man, Anya Taylor Joy. I hope she gets a lot more work. I'm sure she will. I'm sure she will. Honestly, yeah, she's uh, she's coming out with uh, the New Mutants. Uh, oh yeah, which is uh, oh looks like an interesting take on uh, superhero movies. So yes. She plays uh, Ileana Rasputin, a.k.a. Magic. Yeah, uh, Colossus' uh, little sister. And uh-huh. uh, also starring Arya from Game of Thrones and uh, Jonathan nice. from Stranger Things. So nice. I feel like this is a... Uh... Yeah. Oh, and sorry, I spoke too soon. Unbreakable 2 is happening in a couple years. Hell yeah, baby. It's gonna. It's called glass. <laughs> All right. After uh, after Sam Jackson's character, mm-hmm. who is also coming back, and so is Bruce Willis. Hell yeah, yippee ki yay, motherfucker. That's right. So wait, before we go any further, let's just get this out of the way. Die Hard is a Christmas film, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just uh, just checking. <laughs> Absolutely, it is a Christmas movie. <laughs> and uh, if you don't believe us, uh, watch our last episode on uh, some of the greatest uh, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, and any other holiday movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So get out, man. Um, I think we also have to talk about... Uh, the alternate ending because I feel like Ooh. that would have been a much more fucked up way to end the movie. Yeah. And I probably would have been like, yes, give this movie fucking everything on top of everything it's already get- getting. Uh-huh. <laughs> so for those that haven't seen it yet and really it's taken you this long to go see it. Um, so yeah, the movie ends, uh, the main character, Chris, has 
escaped the uh, the batshit crazy family of of his now ex girlfriend, but his ex girlfriend manages to survive, and she's chasing him down. She tries shooting at him with a shotgun, but she misses, and she tries. Uh, she tries uh, trying to kill him, but he gets the upper hand and starts choking her. And then all of a sudden, you see headlights coming in the distance. And in that moment, I was thinking to myself, I'm just like, oh, no. that Like, that can't be what I think it is. In my mind, I'm thinking, like, you know, like, holy shit, this might be the cops. And um, what what's her character's name? Rose. Mm-hmm. Rose might be looking to let's just say get sympathy from yeah. the cops and um but no as it turns out uh it's a uh, chris's best friend uh rod and <laughs> which lee and who basically he sees he saw what chris did and he just says to chris like hey get in the car and Chris asks him, like, hey, how'd you find me? Which leads to the very hilarious and uh, levity-inducing line, uh, I'm T.S. motherfucking A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I started laughing and just, I breathed like a sigh of relief. I'm just like, oh, thank God. Oh, the entire movie theater clapped when, when I saw the movie. Oh, at same. At that moment. Same. It was, uh, yeah. So that's the way the movie ended in theaters. But the alternate ending is the one we all thought was going to happen, where mm-hmm. instead of uh, Mr. TSA, uh, the police show up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Daniel Kaluuya, you know, uh, I don't think we need to go into any more detail about what happens after that. You know, right. black, uh, black man, white woman, you know, you know which side the cop's going to fall on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that would have been a very fucked up way to end the movie. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. And I just found another alternate ending as well, or one that Jordan Peele considered. And he talked about how in one ending, uh, Rod breaks into the house into the giant estate and he just finds Chris there and instead of like trying he tries to get him to come back home and Chris just looks up at him and says I assure you I don't know who you're talking about damn yeah that would have been fucked up too can you imagine yeah 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 it's intense (laughs) yeah oh man yeah so get out uh it's taken you this long to not see the movie uh Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yes. I mean, there's still a chance before award season. So if you haven't seen it yet, I assure you, please, 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 please go see it. Yeah. Um, Another horror movie I like, I haven't seen yet, but I've always liked this director. Uh, Shape of Water by Guillermo del Toro. Oh, that film. Yeah. I, I you know, maybe it's not that good. Um, I'm seeing a lot of mixed reactions to it. But, you know, 
I think uh, I'm going to give Del Toro a chance. Yeah? You going to see it? Yeah. Um, and by mixed reaction, I mean, like, a lot of audience are kind of they're kind of in between about it. I think critics like it, but critics have tended to like uh, Del Toro's well, movies. Well, critics have been sucking his dick for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> look, I have no doubt that he is he a talented director. Yes, of course he is, but I don't know. It's just something something about his films that basically say, like, you know, look at my amazing work. Please give me all the awards. Yeah. Well, I still like him. And uh, he's coming out with a video game, too. Is he? Yeah, Death Stranding with Hideo Kojima and Norman Reedus. And I think Mass Mickelson. And Matt... Yes, that is how you say his name. (laughs) Mass Mickelson. Mass Mickelson. There's, yeah. You don't pronounce the D. Okay. Yeah. What's it called? Death Strange? Death Stranding. Death Stranding. Yeah. It's an upcoming action video game by Hideo Kojima, Norman Reedus, and Mass Mickelson. Huh. On the one hand, I am uh, glad that uh, Kojima <clears throat> is finally stepping out of the Metal Gear box, but on the other <laughs> This is probably going to be the same shit where you're going to be sitting for like 10 hours before you actually play the game because of some like fucking conspiracy <laughs> bullshit that he has to. <laughs> Unskippable cutscenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember playing fucking Metal Gear Solid 4 and from, oh. <laughs> from start to when you actually play, it was like a solid hour. It's like if I wanted to watch a film, I just would have popped in something else. You know what? Like Kojima, just fucking make a movie, get it out of your system, and then make video games again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're right. He should at this point. Yeah, give it a shot. Now that you know, uh, you know Norman Reedus, Del Toro, and Mickelson. Like fucking make a movie. And yeah, then, and then do the fucking video games again. And uh, Shape of Water, uh, starring uh, Senator from Alabama Doug Jones, in uh, in a continuing tradition of working with uh, Del Toro, from a <laughs> fishman in uh, Hellboy, to, oh to to that uh, to that freaky guy in Pan's Labyrinth, and back to a fish boy in in this movie. <laughs> he was also in a. Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yes, as the Silver Surfer. Yes, well, he portrayed the physical version of the Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. The voice was provided by Lawrence Fishburne. Of course. And uh, he, you know what? He's he's one of those actors, like Andy Serkis, where like they're really good at being non-human. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess he's yeah. a senator from Alabama now, so Yeah, oh wow. He Yeah. Looks a lot different than I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure every fucking lanyard in DC has made that joke. <laughs> every fucking craft brew guy in Brooklyn has made that joke too. Every uh 
every like documentary uh, filmmaker in Portland has made that joke. Every fucking like sexless, like mid thirties, like upper West side, New Yorker reader. They've probably made that joke too. I'm sure. I'm sure they have. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So yeah. Besides horror movies, uh, what else was this the year of? Oh, this was the year of about a million superhero movies. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh man, what was the first superhero movie that came out this year? Logan. Logan. Oh yeah, yeah, Logan. Uh, Power Rangers count. What? Power Rangers count as superheroes? Well, technically, yes, because they do develop superpowers. Okay. Yeah. Logan came out this year. Uh, Spider-Man. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Thor. uh, Justice Justice League. League. Did we miss something? Guardians. Uh, Guardians, right. Fuck, that is a lot of movies. Exactly. Uh, I mean, look, in terms of overall impact and for taking risks, I think both uh, Logan and uh, Wonder Woman deserve the uh, deserve all the praise they got. And I'll be honest with you, uh, during both movies, I actually cried a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for Logan, it's kind of obvious. Oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah Logan. Logan is, I, I, th- it's a. I mean, I kind of ha- hate to say it, but it's. I guess it's like you know the one of the most mature superhero movies. And not just because it has an R rating. Yeah, like the story itself is very. Uh, it deals with a lot of like pretty grown up themes for you know the a guy that goes snick and calls you a bub mm-hmm. <laughs> who now apparently works as an uber driver yeah 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 <laughs> that, yeah that was a that was a weird element <laughs> it's like what you it's like you're the most badass superhero possibly of all time and you're now you're an uber driver yeah and uh, I did like uh, the 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 Wolverine's daughter uh, character. That was uh, oh X twenty three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought she did a great what's great her job. Name? And, Daphne uh, something. Hang on, what is her name? Uh, Daphne Keen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was great. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was sad to watch knowing that this was Hugh Jackman's last ever performance in, uh, as Wolverine, mm-hmm. but, it, but it, it gave me hope. It's like, it's like, it's like the man can do this role in his sleep, which he kind of technically did for, uh, Days of Future Past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I appreciate the fact that in this particular performance, like he stayed 
true to the like the original Wolverine uh, origins, and I'm not talking about the the shitty uh, spinoff film that came out in '09. Um, I it was one of those films where it's like, you know, it's based off an incredibly popular comic we know, and you're gonna have a bunch of a uh, a bunch of fanboys who are gonna cry foul at like everything that's uh, everything that might be and is wrong with it. I appreciate the fact that they, for the most part, stayed true to the uh, to the comic, and I still enjoy the fact that even though he's done this about like eight or nine times before, he's still very adamant about being a quote-unquote superhero, that he's yeah, still yeah. like, you know, hey, like, hey, I'm just Logan. I'm just this uh, this guy from Canada who uh, had experiments performed on me, and now I have these claws. Don't call me a superhero. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it really does show the kind of, like, fucked up life you live as as Logan, having lived so long yeah. and, like, really not having any attachments left. And exactly. uh, also Patrick Stewart's portrayal of uh, Xavier oh in this God. movie is its a really that refreshing was, take. That was even sadder. Yeah. That was even sadder to watch because, you know, they've essentially switched roles. Now Patrick Stewart, or now Charles Xavier, is now the stubborn, uncontrollable uh, mutant, partly due to... Uh, partly due to old age and the fact that I think it was explained that he uh, one day all of a sudden lost control of his powers yeah. and killed most of the remaining mutants. Yeah. Bad future. Yeah. And, um, well, I guess the next X-Men movie coming out is about uh, the Phoenix saga. Uh, hopefully this yes. goes better than uh, Last Stand. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the director who shall remain nameless. With the oh, that fucking idiot. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, he's a director, really. <laughs> well, I guess I, that's I, what he puts down on his uh, his, on his card. <laughs> that he makes he the kinkos. Have... <laughs> <laughs> He might not have a card for much longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always thought he was just like some random douchebag that was just handing, a, hanging around the set, of asking different uh, production members, like, "Hey, let me let me hold the camera. Let me hold the camera." And someone did, and oh boy. Oh god. Okay, who's the producer that gave him a chance? <laughs> I want names, people. I want names. <laughs> Who's the producer that gave him the chance? Hang on. What was his? It's Avi mm. Arad, uh, Ralph Winter, and Lauren Donner. Oh, okay. That, that's specific. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I just looked up who was responsible for the early uh, X-Men shit. Oh. <laughs> No, I'm talking about like earlier and earlier. In okay. Uh, uh, Walter Coblenz and Tracy Kramer. Okay. And in his first film, Money Talks. Uh, 
mm-hmm. starring Chris Tucker and Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Chris Tucker. Back when both uh, <laughs> back when uh, both uh, actors were household names. Yeah. And it's funny, uh, uh, him, him and Singer, uh, both, uh, both creepy guys, and it came out this year. Singer had to had to leave production of the uh, Freddie Mercury movie. Yeah, you know what? I think that's because he tried to like touch Rami Malek's Mr. Robot. Oh my God! That's probably why it happened. You know what? Yeah, that might be. It says like clashes with actor Rami Malek and you know, based on rumors of singer and considering Rami Malek's a handsome guy. Mm-hmm. It's probably what happened. Mhm. Uh, so wait, who's directing it now? I have no idea. It's now going to be oh, uh, Dexter Fletcher. Dexter Fletcher. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a guy yeah, Ritchie Dex- movie? What? He wasn't a guy Ritchie movie? Dexter Fletcher? Yeah. He was? Apparently he was in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Smoking Barrels. Oh, okay. I now I remember him. Oh, wait a minute. I know yeah, who yeah, he yeah, played. Yeah, oh. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know who he played. Yes. Yeah, Soap. <laughs> soap. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was a good film. Yeah, I I want to talk about early Guy Ritchie before he fucked Madonna. Uh, you mean uh, Lock, Stock, and uh, Snatch? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the films that introduced the world to Vinnie Jones and I think Jason Statham, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Vinnie Jones. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so what do I call you? Bullet, a tooth. <laughs> call me Susan if it makes you feel more comfortable. Call me Susan. It's like, I love it. He plays this like this brooding, intense hitman for hire. Hell yeah! And he listens to he listens to Madonna in uh, <laughs> in his car. Yeah. See, that's what that's what we call foreshadowing. Because later, Guy Ritchie fucks Madonna and marries her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but Vinnie Jones, you don't want to mess with him. He played for Manchester United. He did in their heyday. He is. He's old. He's old Manu, Manu lad, as it were. He was. Uh, wait, did he play for Manu? No, wait, hang on. No, he didn't play for Manu. Never mind. Was it City? No, no, he played for. He played for Leeds. He played for Sheffield. He played for Chelsea. That's weird. Okay, um, I thought he but, did play for Man U. So did I, but apparently huh. not. Okay. Uh, he played for Wimbledon, and he played for Queen's Park Rangers. Okay. Oh, wait. You know why I'm thinking he played for Man U? Because in Eurotrip, he's head of the... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Head, head of the, the hooligans. The hooligan, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hooligan fan club in that bar. Yeah. Uh, which is him not like, acting. It's just him being himself. It's like, this this bar is only reserved for fans of the greatest football team in the world, Manchester United. <laughs> 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 I 
And I'm just like, if he ever said that to me, I'm just like, okay, I'll be on my way right now. Sorry for the inconvenience. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Yeah, sorry. I apologize. Yeah, because he would have probably like grabbed either you or me and just thrown us across the bar. Gave you a, gave you a Chelsea smile, mate. <laughs> what? What if I told him I was a fan of Chelsea? Would that help things? <laughs> yeah, I'd give you a Glasgow kiss, mate. <laughs> give you a Manchester haircut. <laughs> it's it's, it's oh, when but... he lop off your bell end, mate. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm pretty sure Manchester haircut is not a real thing, but I would not put it past. It sounded so good. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Just put like some like shitty British city. Like, I'm going to give you a Birmingham man shake and it's probably something (laughs) fucked up. I I don't know. Next time I go to the UK, I'll uh, I'll keep you posted about that. Yeah. Yeah. The next time I do go to the UK, I do plan on going to Manchester, and I'll see if they're. Uh, <laughs> I'll see if they're. Uh, they Their are haircuts like that. are like that. Yeah. <laughs> Two bits and a bob. We lop off your bellend. Lop off your bellend. I'm sure that's something he could do on a regular basis. <laughs> That's how you become a man in in chav culture. It's just chav culture. <laughs> yeah, love. You got a lot of that that geezers, yeah. You gotta rough him up, and then you lop off his belly. It, it sounds like you've been watching too many Guy Ritchie films. Maybe. I mean, I haven't watched it in a while, but yeah. All right. So back to uh, superhero movies. I think undisputably Wonder Woman is another refreshing surprise. Yes. Not the least of which because, you know, Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman were just steaming shit piles. Mm-hmm. And I say this as a DC fan. Like, I've, yeah. I've read more DC comics than most normal people have read. Like, And I still read DC comics. But... Yeah, Suicide Squad, what a mess of a movie, and uh, Batman oh versus God, Superman. You know, it's uh, it's too much Snyder. Yes, it's way too much Snyder, and I think having somebody else helm a superhero film uh, is very advantageous for not not only for the actors in it, but also for DC and Warner Brothers as well, and. I mean, yeah, and I thought Patty Jenkins did an incredible job. No, yeah, she did a great job. And, uh, well, we all know the Wonder Woman sequel is coming out at some, some point, probably 2019 or 2020. But, uh, probably. You know, uh, hopefully this means the DC Universe gets a bit more, get more fresh talent. You know, a bit more fresh yeah. talent. Yes, well, let's think about this for a sec. Who do they have coming up? I mean, I know they. Uh, Aquaman. I know the, the, I know the Aquaman movies uh, coming out. Who's directing that? Please uh, let me what's his name? Again. Oh, James, James Wan. James Wan, yeah. 
All right. Okay, so cool. I like I'm, that. I'm kind of, you know, kind of cagey about it, but uh, maybe, maybe it'll be good. And you got Bob Zemeckis, Robert Zemeckis, that's directing uh, the Flash movie. Really? Yeah. Huh. Who's, For, who, who's doing the Shazam one? The Shazam movie? Yeah. I know they just got Chuck uh, to play Shazam somehow. Who? You know, Zachary uh, Levi. Uh, David Sandberg hmm. is directing it. Starring uh, The Rock. Starring Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. And Zachary Levi. Mm-hmm. Uh... David Sandberg is a Swedish director known for his collective no-budget horror short films under the online pseudonym Pony Smasher. And <laughs> okay. yes, I'm being serious. Uh, oh, he did uh, Annabelle Creation. Which I didn't see, but... I, I didn't see it either, but... Okay. I don't know. I'm, uh, I don't we'll know. see what happens. Yeah. I mean, at least, we'll you see. know, it's not just Zack Snyder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I don't think David Ayer is coming back for whatever they're trying to do with. Oh, God, I hope not. Suicide Squad. Yeah. Suicide Squad 2. <laughs> yeah. God no, but yeah, Wonder Woman. Um, struck the. I I think you know, I mean, I guess story wise, it's unremarkable, but it's just yeah, you know, it's it's a fun popcorn movie. It is. It is, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. The story is kind of like you know, like bare bones, minimalist at best, but I mean. Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman is the hero we need right now. Yeah. She's she's the hero the DC Universe needs, but not the one it deserves right now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You've been watching the Honest Trailer for it, haven't you? Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> hey, man. Uh, fall back on The Dark Knight, because that was... Probably the best superhero movie. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Dark Knight, uh, did you see Dunkirk? Yes. Yeah, what yes, a great movie. Oh, my God. From beginning to end, it was probably the most intense film I've ever seen. And I don't usually go for war films, but this film... I knew from the trailer that it was going to be incredibly intense. I didn't realize they were going to throw us right into the middle of the action from the first shot onward. Yeah. And um, I think this is the most successful war movie since Saving Private Ryan. I don't doubt it. And yeah, actually it is. Uh, grossed uh, 525 million. Saving Private Ryan grossed 481.8. Yeah, and there's a rumor going around that Christopher Nolan. Uh, oh wow, it's already up for uh, 
uh, three Golden Globes, and I think Christopher Nolan might get nominated for Best Director Oscar, and it might get nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah. I, th- I think I, I went to go see it with a friend of mine, and like from beginning to end, we were just both in shock. Like there was even a few moments where she like she grabbed my uh, she grabbed my hand because it was like, it was so intense, and I jumped up on several occasions because one I one I appreciate the fact that you know finally it's finally you know we don't have a a war movie that depicts you know only the American side that that's just pure propaganda for the military like they do with pretty much every war film that comes out this year. But, uh, well, I appreciate that they strayed from that path. There's basically no Americans in that film. Um, and what I appreciated more, it, there was no dialogue. There was basically little to no dialogue at all. And it just showed it told an entire story just through the visuals and through the reactions of all the actors that make, made it seem like, you know, yes, like, you know, these guys aren't just playing the role. They're actually acting as if they're living through the whole battle. Yeah. I, I, I was talking to my cousin and like, we both like kind of, agreed on the fact that like Dunkirk is a great movie but for none of the reasons that great movies are usually great movies like Mm -hmm. you don't really know any of the characters and you don't come away thinking that they've learned anything right but it's just it's an experience Mm -hmm. and it is I do appreciate that they made the gunshots incredibly loud Mm -hmm. because I feel like war movies tend to I guess romanticize the kind of like, yeah, they're at war, but there's time for heroics. But it, the film makes it clear that being in a war is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't ever have to, you know, be drafted or sign up because at the end of the day, most of the people in the movie are like eighteen year olds. Right. And I don't. And I do appreciate the fact that. Uh, you know, it was an ensemble piece. There was no uh, one guy, you know, leading the the charge. I guess they tried to make Tom Hardy into like that one guy, who like the guy who like shot down most of the German uh, uh, fighter planes, most of the German Luftwaffe. Mm-hmm. But uh, in the end, he winds up getting uh, captured and killed. Yeah, I mean, he he is kind of like a fighter ace uh, character, but in the end, you know, it's. I guess the message is like there's 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 really no such thing as like heroics as we understand them. Like no one's really like a superhero in real life. Right. And uh, the real heroes, I guess, are just like the people trying to help them get back. Yeah. Like the real heroes are like, you know, Mark Rylance's character, the guy who owns the the small boat who... uh, Helps with the uh, helps with the rescue. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was just one of those films that you know, as I was walking away from it, I had to uh, 
I had to compose myself a few times because I kept thinking about everything that that happened in the film and what a lot of people, what a lot of people were witnessing, you know, back then as it happened. I read reports that um, many uh, old World War II veterans actually uh, saw the film and broke down in tears yeah. when I watched it. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them, to be honest, because a lot of them probably lost some of their best friends during that rescue and like thank you know thank and they thank the heavens every day that they managed to survive it i don't know it, it's just it's a brilliant film it's a brilliant film anyway yeah yeah if it was just like you know your your generic war film like you know or now if a war movie comes out i immediately compare it to call of duty which i which I think Call of Duty actually has more uh, more depth and character development than a lot of the war films that are coming out these days. Yeah, and um, especially some of the ones set in like recent wars. Yeah, um, but I mean that's another that's a whole another I guess issue we can discuss. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean we kind of did discuss it. You know, in our uh, our video game movies uh, review. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, check out the, that episode if you haven't seen it yet, or haven't listened to it yet. But like as I mentioned earlier, I appreciate the fact that you know Dunkirk isn't your typical war movie. There's no hero element. There's no. Uh, there's little to no dialogue. It's a story that the side you're supposed to cheer for actually loses. And there's no, there's hardly any camaraderie amongst the, uh, amongst the main, uh, main characters because they're constantly questioning each other about what they're trying to do to survive. And, and the scene in the boat with, uh, where, where they're trying to get the boat to sea and they have to patch up all the holes and, uh, mm-hmm. They kind of turn oh, on yeah. each other, man. <laughs> oh, no, they do. Oh, that's on, on, on the oh. on the one guy because uh, yeah, the one guy because, because he has... fucking One Direction thinks like this guy is, you know, like a German German spy. Yeah. But also, no, that's that's actually... what I, <laughs> that kind of took me out of the movie when I realized that One Direction is in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I'll I'll give Harry Styles credit. He actually gave a gave a commendable performance no yeah but like i was like yeah that's that's harry styles <laughs> yeah <laughs> look i'll be honest he's for the amount of time he was on screen he's actually a solid actor yeah oh yeah and yeah they turn on that one guy because you know he's a foreigner he mm-hmm. has a he has a french accent it's like, you know, like, oh, I don't care. You're forward, so that must mean you're the enemy. Yeah. Uh, kind of kind of remind you of anyone? Yeah. And uh, it's kind of sad because, uh, yeah, eventually the guy dies. Mm-hmm. A lot of people die. It's uh, yeah, completely but... unromanticized. They, they die for really stupid reasons in the movie, like, 
like yeah just from the beginning like you know i guess you could say like one of the main characters that we're following a group of his friends just get shot dead then and there right like they don't even try to fight back or like even if they did they just boom you know mm-hmm. and then like even like you know there's a cillian murphy and uh he's like a fucking you know Oh my God! Yeah, his character. He, I guess my like today God. he'd be called like having PTSD, but like, oh, sure they they called it PTSD back then. I think too. Was it or was it shell shock? Still, no shell shock. Shell shock back yeah. then. Never mind. And like now, yeah, now he would be fully diagnosed with PTSD, and he's got all these voices going in his head. He doesn't yeah. want to. He finds you know safety and comfort from being rescued, but he also doesn't want to go back, and he winds up you know, accidentally killing this one kid on the, on the on rescue the ship. boat. Yeah. Basically yeah, on the rescue boat. And, and then one, uh, and the kid's friend is like, Oh, he's a coward. You know, it's like, he just gives yeah. nothing but problems. But then like his, was it his grandfather or his dad? Yeah. was like, well, yeah, you haven't seen the shit that this guy has. So, right. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, and, it's refreshing to see this kind of like unromanticized look at war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, that just got real depressing yeah. right now. <laughs> Sorry, right. let's uh, let let's, let's bring it back. Gears. Let's let's bring it back. Um, other horror movies I liked. Uh, it that was for sure. Oh, it the, came out this year. Almost forgot about that. That was for sure one of the good ones. Um, can't really dwell on it. A ghost story. I mean. Sort of horror movie, also sort of drama, vaguely romance. Um, what a great performance by Casey Affleck from Under a Sheet. <laughs> Last year, he's just some fucking New England trash, and this year, he's a classical ghost. You know what? Uh, maybe but he's, also, he's also still kind of New England trash. Yeah, he's still uh, kind of New England trash. I mean, for his views yeah. on a. On sexual assault. Well, you know, um, keep it Southie. Keep it Southie? Oh, my God. <laughs> keep it Southie. Oh, my God. That sounds like something. That sounds like a line from The Departed or something. It is a line from The Departed. Keep it Southie? Really? I'm, I'm 90% sure. <laughs> okay, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, Southie... Uh, fucking new england boiled dinners um dropkick murphy's uh rooting for the patriots you know red sox boston strong boston strong like this yeah yeah (laughs) okay um any listeners from boston i'm sorry but fuck boston that is the official (laughs) that is the official stance of this podcast and i'm not backing down Ever. Well, I mean, I mean that may be your stance. I have relatives that live in Boston. They're fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, my cousin did live in Boston for a bit, and uh, but still, uh, <laughs> that is my official stance. Uh, fuck Boston. That's your official stance. Okay. My official stance is, uh, you know, I do like the city. My uncle and aunt and my two little cousins live there. Uh, but your town is also a, a racist piece of shit. Yeah. Um, Marky Mark, uh, who fucking blinded a Vietnamese guy. 
Uh-huh. Uh, let's not forget about that, okay? Uh, let's, let's also, not, also not forget he ran over a guy with his car. For sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? This is uh, also the year of the documentary for me. I watched quite a bit of documentaries. Uh, oh, yeah? Like, which ones? There was I Am Not Your Negro about... Uh, I saw that. That was good. Yeah. And uh, Kiddi about uh, cats in Istanbul. That was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and also on Netflix, there was uh, One of Us. It was about... Uh, the the Hasids that left uh, the community and uh, their experiences, kind of, it's kind of too real at some points, you know. Uh, some of the experience of people who who left uh, the Hasidic community, and I guess they grew up like not going to regular school, so now they're eighteen years old and they basically have no skills except speaking Yiddish and reading Torah. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a fascinating documentary. Uh, if you haven't watched it, it's on Netflix. So it's called One of Us. Yeah, it's uh, one of the people is uh, he's trying to be an actor of some sort, and then one <laughs> kind of fell into heroin, you know, hole after he left uh, the community and then another one is a woman whose husband is abusive and she tried to divorce him and well uh community's conspiring to basically destroy her life and take the kids away from her mm-hmm. because uh you know well watch the watch the documentary and also watch kiddie it's uh it's probably the most light-hearted thing you'll see all year because uh it's cats in istanbul and uh, the director gives them personalities or highlights their uh idiosyncrasies <laughs> there, there's one that's called uh i get it translates to like lion hunter uh, uh the hunter okay. lion and he lives basically on this like seaside restaurant and the owners of the restaurant semi adopted this cat and uh, the cat hunts all the pests at the restaurant. <laughs> and then there's one that's called psychopath and she's just like a crazy fucking cat that scratches everyone that comes into her territory, <laughs> but is a sweetheart in this like shisha cafe that the owner lives in. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's it's fascinating where cities in the Middle East, but Istanbul particularly, where street animals are an accepted part of life. Like no one calls yeah. it. Yeah. No one calls the exterminator and no one calls animal control. They just like if a cat or a dog stops by, like uh, they'll leave out like some food or like they'll leave out some water. But it's just like an accepted part of living there. Mm-hmm. It is also kind of like a part of uh, Bali. There's so many fucking dogs, and everyone just accepts that dogs live there. Yeah, yeah, huh. it's nice. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, I think that's it. I've watched some older documentaries, but yeah, those are those are the ones that came out this year. Uh, Kiddy. Um, one of us, and uh, I am not your Negro. Mm-hmm. 
All right. What else did you? What What else are your highlights for 2017? One of my highlights is a, a film that was also made on a shoestring budget, and that had no studio backing uh, whatsoever. That's Logan Lucky. Yeah, I agree. I thoroughly enjoyed that film. Uh, directed by C- Steven Soderbergh, man's a legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he basically had no studio backing. He made the whole thing himself. Yeah, yeah. And I, it, it's been lovingly referred to as uh, Ocean 7-Eleven. <laughs> which, which I think makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah, Given yeah. The, the nature of uh, the setting. It takes yep. place, you know... In the deep south, it takes place, you know, involve, involving a, a heist at a, at a NASCAR event. It's got Channing Tatum and Adam Driver and Daniel Craig yeah. doing their best to try to doing their best to Southern impressions. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I think the only one that's convincing for me is uh, uh, probably Channing Tatum because he actually looks like he knows how to wear a cowboy hat. Well, I mean, uh, Kingsman also showed him. Uh, affecting, oh, that's right! Literally, as a cowboy, yeah. Affecting uh, Southern <laughs> culture. Affecting, but no, but this one he goes like full. Yeah, yeah, full yeah, southern, yeah. Full yeah. I mean, Adam Driver, he did a commendable job. His character is a guy who uh, he's a Channing Tatum's brother, but he also uh, lost his hand mm-hmm. uh, in an accident, and. Mm. He does the southern accent very well, but his voice is so deep. I, I'm just imagining at one point that he's gonna shift full gears and become Kylo Ren and start using his lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, you know, uh, I didn't think much of Adam Driver because, like, I mean, before uh, Logan Lucky and uh, Star Wars, I, I mean, I think I only saw him in Girls, and I didn't like that show, but. Logan Lucky, he's uh, he's pretty commendable, man. He is, and you know what? Good for him. Good for him. He's having yeah. a hell of a year right now. Yeah, for sure. Between Logan Lucky and Last Jedi, Last, Last Jedi, we'll get the Last Jedi soon. Don't worry. Yeah, don't worry. I just don't is, worry. This is another big titty special because it's the end of the year. <laughs> uh, but I enjoyed Logan Lucky a lot. Uh, Daniel Craig, of all people. <laughs> playing the role of this uh this uh <laughs> this guy who uh they spring from jail to do this heist the character's name is joe bang <laughs> my and name is bang joe bang joe bang i'm trying to do uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to do the uh <laughs> I'm trying to do the uh, the banjo. Yeah, the yeah, banjo yeah, 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 yeah. Of James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, there's literally a line where he goes, where the brothers go to like, you know, try and convince him to do the uh, the mission. But he just goes, he say, he goes, I am in car, sir, Ray Ted. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like okay let, let's not let's not give you a, a southern accent for the next film yeah um, it's like or, or thank god you have another bond film coming up because uh yeah 
it's it's pretty fucking obvious you're <laughs> it's pretty fucking obvious you're doing an accent. <laughs> yeah. It's in the great tradition of terrible southern accents. That's right. Um Oh no, you want to hear a really bad southern accent? Uh listen to a uh, Keanu Reeves in a Devil's Advocate. Yep, that's it's the one I think of. <laughs> well, actually, to be fair, Nicolas Cage and Conair also. Oh, yeah, that That kind of like uh, vacillates between Southern and <laughs> what the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's invented his own language at this point. Yeah. And I think it, it just revolves around the line, uh, I could eat a page for hours. I said, put... The, the bunny, bunny back, back in, in the, the box. box. <laughs> oh my god, what a fucking film! And if you haven't seen our Nicolas Cage episodes yet, please go take a look because yeah. it's a lot of love or, went into that one. Those two. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. I enjoyed Logan Lucky a lot, and I also enjoyed uh, the Disaster Artist. Absolutely, because the the Disaster Artist, you know, while it may be the making of uh, you know the worst film ever made, it's also a movie about you know following your dreams and uh, if society you know uh, if society tries to put you down over and over, you can defy expectations. And thumb your nose at it and do whatever the hell you want. It's like I'm it's like I'm sick and tired of waiting for uh opportunity to come to me. Let's go out and grab it ourselves. Yeah, and we talked about it in our Tommy Wiseau episode, but definitely read the book and watch the movie because I I remember mm. reading the book and thinking to myself like this can't get more awkward than what I actually saw on screen, right? Oh no, folks! Oh no! If you thought the movie was cringe, take a look at the behind the scenes. Yeah, just the sheer insanity. <laughs> the fact that he, the fact that he had his own bathroom on the set, the fact that he had this guy with a camera just follow the cast around all the time. The, mm, the, Oh my God. The, uh, the awkwardness of having to show up in front of the cast, uh, completely butt ass naked and do a sex scene where he's aiming way too high. Yeah. Um, the stabbing that he's doing with his pelvis. Uh, those are the things that you see in uh, the room that never leaves you. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's ingrained in your mind forever. And, oh yeah, that scene with the... Uh... <laughs> Wait a minute. That, that scene... Uh, towards the end of the film, with the uh, with the red dress, that he's just like writhing yeah. <laughs> around, and and then he shoots himself. It's like, 
Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, sure. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Or. Or like. Dressing up in tuxedos to play football. That happens uh, several times in the movie, by the way. Uh, yes. Well, incredible. scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. But I'll be honest. It's James Franco was born to play this role. This is like James Franco's. Oh, man. He better get another fucking Oscar for this shit. I mean, it, yes, he's going to be head to head with probably Daniel Kaluuya, but man. And Daniel Day-Lewis and pretty much every other yeah. actor in Hollywood. You think DDL's? Uh, I mean, he, I haven't seen this movie. Uh, he's in uh, the Paul Thomas Anderson one. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I've, I've heard, you know, I've heard, you know, a lot of good things about it, and you know, it's Daniel Day Lewis. People are gonna flock to see it. Yeah, and this because, is like, I guess, his last role. I still call bullshit on that. I think he's just gonna you know, retire and come back when he finds a movie he likes again. Yeah, because he's going to get... Well, but I don't know. See, I don't know right now. Maybe I don't call bullshit because how old is he right now? How old is he? He's in his... Uh... He's 60 right now. I mean, he's 60 years old. He's uh... He's got three Oscars. He's well respected as one of the greatest actors ever. Do you really think this might be it? I mean, he's got like 40 years worth of acting. Yeah. And pretty much every role that he's chosen is is great, you know, from There Will Be Blood, uh, Gangs of New York, uh, My Left Foot. Lincoln. And, yeah, Lincoln. And this motherfucker is like so method. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a joke, but like he actually did learn how to make dresses for this movie. I, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean, I guess we can talk a little bit later about who we think might be up for gonna, Oscars and what's the mm-hmm. what's the play look like? Right. <laughs> but <laughs> but going back to the disaster artist for a minute, I didn't realize this was the first time that both James and Dave Franco act, acted opposite each other. Yeah, I didn't realize that too, but you know what? Maybe it's because if you put the two of them together, it's too powerful. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I thought he was a good Greg. Yeah, I thought he was, even though he's like several inches shorter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than, <laughs> than the I've seen the real Greg Sestero in person. Mm-hmm. He's like six foot three. Yeah, and Dave is well. He's Dave. Yeah, he, he's Dave. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, James Franco as Tommy. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
granted, he's much more handsome than Tommy Wiseau, but just the mannerisms and everything about Tommy is, ooh. Yeah. Apparently, according to Tommy Wiseau himself, he loved the loved the performance and felt that 99.9% of it was uh, was accurate. There you go. The only thing he didn't like was the first shot of Tommy where he's like cloaked in the dark during the uh, the acting class. <laughs> because, you know, like, I have to see my face on screen, you know, I have to have to know what I look like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to know what I look like. <laughs> I, I have to know if this uh, this actor give good performance. <laughs> oh man! But yes, disaster artist. Uh, what a fine movie! Brilliant, brilliant, incredible, film. brilliant. And because of this film. Tommy Wiseau's name will be known forever. Yeah. So in reality, he got what he always wanted. Yeah, sometimes dreams come true, folks. Even if that dream is the worst movie ever made. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's, this is kind of like the DiCaprio joke where someday someone will make a movie about DiCaprio's life and they'll win the Oscar. I feel <laughs> right. like this is what's going to happen with Tommy Wiseau. Like mm-hmm. someone will like his story will be famous, but he will not be. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. You might be right. <laughs> yeah. But we can't make, we can't make that joke about DiCaprio anymore. He's an actual Oscar winner. Unfortunately. Yeah. For a role that I I think was not his best, to be honest. No, it wasn't. It was to be honest, it was a gimme Oscar, honestly. It was a gimme Oscar because he was nominated like seven times before and he kept yeah. losing. I did think but, Jordan Belfort should have been the one. Uh, for me, it was like Howard Hughes in The Aviator. Yeah. Uh, well, they're both, you know. Scorsese films. Scorsese films and uh, interesting characters. Mm-hmm. I.e. they're both pieces of shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at, at least the at least the Jordan Belfort's more upfront about it. He's like, yeah, I am an absolute piece of shit, but uh, I made all this money, so uh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Howard just uh, kind of collapsed on himself and um, yeah, became a recluse. Mm. Notorious germaphobe, too. Notorious is an understatement. I think the word germaphobe was invented purely because of Howard Hughes. I agree. I mean... I, hmm, it's amazing, you know, they talk about, you know, his severe OCD, and they talk about, you know, obviously his, his earlier years leading up to, you know, his piloting of the uh, the Spruce Goose uh, plane. Mm-hmm. I would love mm-hmm. to see a film where 
they talk about like Howard Hughes later years, specifically in Las Vegas, where yeah. he where he basically lived out of his uh, suite. Lived out of his penthouse suite, the Desert Inn, and never left there. Never left his room. He was there for about four years, and he never left his room at all. And when they asked him to leave, instead of leaving, he full on bought the hotel. Yep. And he had so many ridiculous requests. Like uh, my my favorite one of his. Sorry to go off on this tangent right here. My favorite one of Howard Hughes when he was in Vegas was uh, he was one day he was really craving uh, a banana ripple ice cream. And so his people, the Mormon mafia, they uh, contacted uh, Baskin Robbins to see if they had any left. They said, no, they stopped serving it because it was a seasonal thing. And uh, they said like, you know, we don't care, money's not an object. So they sent over about 500 gallons worth of banana ripple ice cream. And by the time it got to the suite, by the time it got to the suite of the Desert Inn, Howard Hughes just turned to his people and he said, I think I'd like chocolate marshmallow instead. <laughs> yeah. Um, basically, he's a real life Mr. Burns. Uh, yeah. I feel like Mr. Burns was based on him. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there was that episode where he basically turned into Howard Hughes and like he saw the germs and was like, Freemasons rule the country. <laughs> <gasps> Smithers? <gasps> Smithers? <laughs> Man, I wish I could do more Simpsons impressions based on like how long I've watched that fucking show. I know, right? It's still going around. It's been over 30 it's years. 30th season. Oh. And uh, 31 will start some point next year. Oh, that's so funny. I was just, just thinking about this. There was a documentary that I watched this year that I found uh, actually quite fascinating. It's called The Problem with a Poo. Oh, yeah, with uh, Hari Kondabolu. Yes, yeah. Which I thought was really, really good. It kind of uh, give kind of gives you the idea that, like you know, yes, he was uh, the first uh, South Asian uh, representation uh, on film, but it's become like the the go-to uh, punchline and the go-to uh, derogatory thing to say to someone of Indian descent. Yeah, and you and, know, it's it's. Uh... Apu, as a character, hasn't really evolved beyond corner shop guy. Right. And, I mean, I guess you could forgive it in the earlier seasons, but it's been 30 years. I know. And, look, they don't have any plans to to change at all, even though I think they, even though I think they should. Um and like you know, equally insulting the fact that it's a white guy doing the voice of it. And yeah, don't get me wrong, I, Hank Azaria. <laughs> I do, I do love Hank Azaria. I mean, the man's a great actor, but I don't know. Even he expresses reluctance about playing a who. Yeah. Like, but the fact that he's been doing it for so long, it's like you know, 
eh, I've been doing it for so long. Why stop now? It, <clears throat> I don't know. There's, oh, uh, they talk about in the documentary, there's an, an episode they did uh, where uh, I think it's, uh, who, <clears throat> who is it? I think it's uh, Apu's uh, like nephew or, yeah, I think it's his nephew that comes to, uh, to work uh, at, the, at the Quickie Mart with him and... His nephew is played by the uh, uh, the actor uh, Utkash uh, Ambutkar, who's like you know he's like your typical twenty-something uh, millennial. Uh, but there's a great great line in that where, but he confronts you know his uncle for basically you know giving in to everyone's uh, demands. There's even a line where he says like you know like like I don't even consider you Indian. You sound like you know a white guy doing an impression of an Indian guy. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting in that documentary, uh, Utkarsh uh, Ambutkar, he said, like you know, he said there should have been a moment where after he said that line, they could have cut to to Hank Azaria. Yeah, in the yeah, recording yeah, studio. yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, oh my god. Yeah, I think that's too self-aware though for for what The Simpsons is now. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's why I guess this is the year of the documentary, as well as the year of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess some other indie... Well, uh, speaking of uh, biopics, did you watch I, Tonya? I, Tonya? No, yeah. I didn't. Um, Margot Robbie. Excellent. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's better All than right. I thought it was going to be. It's kind of got a black comedy element to it, which might be uncomfortable but yeah it's pretty it's pretty good all right yeah i'll have to check it out um she's also probably gonna have a really great year next year uh margot robbie yeah yeah her her and uh saoirse ronan um in okay let, let's talk about some more indies i guess mm-hmm. uh ladybird that's another movie mm-hmm. i was really impressed with mm-hmm uh, Saoirse Ronan, I mean, you know, she's just like a wonderful actress and she this is. role is one of her best yet. And I, and I also saw her on Broadway as, uh, Abigail Williams in the evil Van Hove, uh, directed, uh, the crucible. And she was fantastic in that too. Oh yeah. 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 It was kind of weird though, because like a John Proctor was a Ben Wishaw. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and he's like not who you think of when you picture John Proctor. Right. <laughs> you picture someone like Daniel Day Lewis. Pro- yeah, yeah. <laughs> who was John Proctor? He was, and he built his own house it's... when he was making the Crucible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think we do have to do a DDL episode. Yes, I think we should. Yeah. Lady Bird. Um, did you watch Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri? No, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either, but I, a lot of the people I trust with good taste in movies said it's quite good. It's got Woody Harrelson and Peter Dinklage in it and Francis McDormand. Who I've always loved. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, uh, Yorhos Lanthimos, uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Mm-hmm. Again, I've I, I've loved Yorhos Lanthimos since uh, Dogtooth, and he does mm-hmm. not disappoint in the Killing of a Sacred Deer. All right, that's good to know. Yeah, uh, the Lobster, uh, you know, came out two years ago. That was a great one, but mm-hmm. Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, if you can believe it, it's a, b- a bit more difficult to watch than The Lobster, which is already a weird movie. <laughs> <laughs> the Lobster has one of the most unusual premises I've ever I've ever heard. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like here, come to this place. Okay, you have a year to fall in love. If you can't do it, you'll become the animal that you've. Uh, that, that's yeah. your spirit animal, I guess. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Single people are given forty-five days to find a romantic partner, or otherwise be turned into animals. Who? What a! Huh. Wow, what a plot! Yeah, yeah. Killing of the sacred deer. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil it for people. It is worth the watch. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, Colin Farrell plays like a surgeon. And he befriends someone with like some sort of neuro disorder, like autism or mental retardation. But it's a lot more complex than that. And Alicia Silverstone, surprising performance. Hey, welcome back, Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. Who uh, perhaps can finally step away from being Batgirl. <laughs> <laughs> I think she stepped away from that a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, she al- she'll always have Clueless. She'll always have Clueless. She'll always have Clueless. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, oh my God. Did as a Californian, I'm, I'm ashamed of, like, the oh, accent clue. being broadcasted to the world. But you know what? It's a good movie. Yeah. It's one of those uh it's one of those classic films that you know you always watch no matter what. Yeah. As if as if. <laughs> Which is I guess but where the... Mindy Colling gets her whole bit. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, M- Mindy Kaling actually. Yeah. Um but yeah. Um Oh, but yeah, but you know, we, we've come to the, we've come to the end of the year right now, folks. And I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about, uh, the film that is not only breaking box office records right now, but is also causing a ton of controversy. Yeah. And of course we're talking about the last Jedi, the last Jedi. That's right. Okay. You know, spoiler alert for those that haven't seen it yet. How many, how many days has it been? It's been 11 days since it came out. Yeah. Mm. I'll just come out and say it right now. It's the most original Star Wars film since Empire. Yeah. And if you think about it, uh, it is overall thematically kind of similar to Empire. 
band. Mm-hmm. Also, Empire did have a lot of negative reaction back in the day. It did. Oh my God, did it ever? They're just like, wait, what? What? Why is it so dark? You know, I thought this was supposed to be like, you know, uplifting and exciting. You know. Yeah. Um, not not every movie has to be that way. And yeah. I hate I hate the fact that you know so many you know. Like Star Wars fanboys have come out and hated the film just because their fan theories haven't been accepted into the main canon yet. Yeah, well, except for people like me who, who uh, you know, uh, I was rooting for Kylo Ren and Rey since day one. <laughs> I do like the fact that they, they're able to, uh, you know, form a common bond it may be uneasy but they do realize that they're they have that yin yang quality yeah they're opposite sides well what what would have made the movie better is if like after that fight scene in the throne room Mm -hmm. yeah they should have fucked (laughs) (laughs) oh my god do you want the entire star wars fan base Call, they would they would have like come out with pitchfork and torches and <laughs> Molotov cocktails to Skywalker <laughs> Ranch, even though George Lucas is no longer involved. He has nothing to do with it, but they still find a way to blame him. Yeah. Hey, um, hey, if you think this movie is shitty, you clearly have been asleep for Jar Jar. You've clearly <laughs> been asleep for yeah. the shitty dialogue between Anakin and Padme. And, and also, those. Boba Fett was just as bad as Captain Phasma was treated in in these movies. Okay, I so know. I know. shut the fuck up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But hey, maybe maybe there's they're filming a porn version right now where they do fuck. Uh, it, I'm pretty sure Brazzers is on it. Uh, it yeah, I'm sure Brazzers. Or a vivid or on it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, hey, uh, fans wanted uh, Ray to have a little Skywalker in her. Uh, you know what? Episode <laughs> nine uh, might happen. The thing, but the thing I enjoyed the most, it's like you know, everything that ties all these characters together has been you know coincidence related you know oh ray just happened to pick up the lightsaber that belonged to luke skywalker oh kylo ren is uh is a han solo and princess leia's son you know everyone's either a a solo or a skywalker i like the fact that in this film uh kylo ren basically tells her uh tells ray like you know yeah your parents were nobody you know no special connection yeah your parents were were shit like they fucking sold you for liquor. That's right. You're, you, you're like, nothing. You come from nowhere. But, like, but not to me. <laughs> Holy shit, that's a good impression. <laughs> Holy shit, that's good. It's like No, no, no. You're 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 still holding on. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. <laughs> okay, now I feel like you're trying to do Adam Driver and Nicolas Cage combined. <laughs> Well, um, I I do like a lot of the twists that happen in the movie. It is v- like you know, 
I, it's the same reason where, where I like Rogue One. Rogue One is like pretty much everybody involved. They they had no relation to the existing characters, which is good because like Star exactly. Wars is not just about the Skywalker family. And fair enough if like the episode movies are about the Skywalkers. But, mm. you know, just like pulling out and seeing, I guess, this galactic war in a galactic sense, you, you do get more of this feeling where, you know, someone's sister died to destroy the the the, the dreadnought and the, the surviving sister has to live with it or right. poe dameron's like cocky flyboy shit does have consequences it does and you look at someone like finn who in the beginning of the film he tries to uh tries to abandon everyone by going to uh find ray for his own selfish reasons yeah but is uh no, he's talked out of it by uh, by Rose Tico, and I well, like the I mean, movie. he was also like stunned. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that too. <laughs> they they had a friendly conversation. Yeah, yeah. Involving a stun gun. <laughs> that was a great bit. Uh, I love that. Uh, what's that scene? Oh, wait a minute. Oh, can we talk about that one scene where? Princess Leia uses the force to actually fly from space. Yes, which is one of the scenes that I don't agree with. <laughs> that that was the one where like I was calling bullshit on the movie. Be honest, I started to laugh a little bit when it happened, but on the other hand, it, I actually started to cry because it's like it's Carrie Fisher. You know what? I mean, I appreciate them not changing anything about the movie because of, you know out of respect for Carrie Fisher, but I feel like perhaps if they could have changed something is that like, you know what? Like that might've been it. Like that might've been the moment to, to have Leia sent off. Right. It might not be the most satisfying, but you know, uh, it is difficult how they're going to do Leia's character in episode nine. I, I'm just so worried that they're going to, like do like a brief, you know, brief thing that says like, you know, and here, you know, like here's a like Princess Leia who was ultimately killed doing this or something like that. I I had this unnerving feeling that they're just going to like gloss it over. Yeah, and unfortunately that probably is the case. Mhm. You know, I think uh because well, you know, it's 11 days since it came out. So if you listen to this, um, spoilers. Uh, if uh, what we've seen with Force Awakens and Last Jedi, where they're killing off all the original uh, characters, I think they were supposed to have Leia die in the ninth movie. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's what they were thinking of doing because Luke dies in this movie and Han died in the last movie. Mm-hmm. So the connections to the original trilogy were only going to be the droids and Chewbacca. Right. And uh, Which is funny because if you're a Star Wars nerd like me, Chewbacca was actually the first one out of the original to die in the in the expanded universe novels. Uh-huh. And that had a pretty big fan reaction as well. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, 
one of, one of the themes that I also liked about the movie is that basically the people you look up to probably not the best people when you, when you when you look really look into it. Mm-hmm. Failure is a pretty consistent theme. Mm-hmm. And not just, you know, like the whole Finn and Rose subplot failed, which a lot of people had a problem with. But personally, I think that was the only way it could have ended. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Skywalker being this flawed, grizzled Jedi master who... He's become Yoda, essentially. Yeah, who, who's, you know, this instinctual reaction one time really weighed on him and kind of set in motion a lot of the events before force awakens happens that Mm -hmm. i thought that was pretty good you know yeah because it is one of the things that uh skywalker brought up in the movie where because he was so mythologized he became this figure that can do no wrong and that's a dangerous way to think about people Oh, absolutely. And it's evident from the first moment he's on screen. Yeah. Ray gives him his lightsaber and he just tosses it. Yeah. Um, also, that weird callback with the blue space milk. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Everyone's complaining about the shirtless Kylo Ren scene. I'm complaining <laughs> about the, the space titty milk scene. That was just. That was just weird. Come on. <laughs> Come like, on! Was that was that necessary? Was that necessary? Yeah, and it's like we get it, Luke. You like blue milk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I just love the fact that he's just like drinking it straight from the source, and it, this like scavenger from a desert planet. It it's similar to Tatooine. Is just disgusted. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, ooh. Yeah. But then, you know, he's able to become the myth that he so, for so long rebelled against. That, that final showdown between him and Kylo Ren, where yeah. Kylo Ren, he, <laughs> he uses every one of, like, the ship's blasters on him, and he just... Shrugs it off like that. Literally just goes. Yeah. Like He's feeling like a pimp. He was. I'm just like, yes. <laughs> I think that was like or the like, biggest like clap I've heard in the movie theater for that movie. Yeah. It was like that Skywalker oh, yeah. moment. Oh, yeah. And the fact that you find out he's actually like, you know, doing this as a, a hologram. Like his consciousness is at that moment. Yeah, yeah. And it is, you know, a great send off for Skywalker at the end where he saw the twin sons again. Yeah. That was a great moment. That, that I love. I started crying when that happened. Yeah, I, I started getting misty eyed. And it was, yeah, you know, it comes around full circle. I so, mean, he basically emulated his idol, Ben Kenobi, or. That's right. Eventually he becomes a hermit and then just before he dies he passes on his knowledge and failures to the next generation. Mhm. Um, yeah. I was half expecting Ewan McGregor to show up in the movie. 
Well, he wanted to come back. Yeah. Apparently, he wanted to come back. Yeah. It's, it's maybe he'd just like show up and tell Skywalker to you know you know choose life, choose a job, choose a career, <laughs> choose a family, choose a fucking big television, choose washing machines. <laughs> but why would I want to do a thing like that? I choose not to choose life. <laughs> and success and success you need success when you've got heroin he needs reasons when you've got heroin that's a crossover oh i want just oh star wars and train spotting oh, oh my god obi one yes. rent boy obi one rent boy hey rent boy Also, oh Train Spotting Two came out this year. That's right. I keep forgetting that it did, but yeah, it was. I mean, it was a good sequel. Don't get me wrong. I mean, not honestly, nothing, up. nothing can touch the original Train Spotting. No, of course not. Especially, especially a, a sequel that's like over twenty years in the making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, here's hoping. Uh, somehow Ben Kenobi comes back for episode nine, but I've heard that perhaps they're going to have Anakin Skywalker come back. No, as a, as a force ghost and probably tell his grandson. It's like, yeah, you fuck that desert pussy boy. You fuck that scavenger (laughs) pussy Ben Solo. You come back towards the light. You really want this to happen. I do want this to happen. I mean, every Star Wars trilogy needs a romance, right? And I mean, I was hoping uh, uh, Finn and Poe would be the first gay couple in Star Wars, but probably not going to happen. No. So, that's my take. Yeah. You never know. You never know what might happen in episode nine. Yeah, it is two years away. A lot can happen. That's right. December 20th, 2019, people. Get ready for it. Although, uh, now we do have to talk about what is coming out next year, and that is the Han Solo movie. Uh, Which, you know... They started off so well with Rogue One and having a completely new cast of characters. And now yeah. they're doing this. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 oh. I, I, I'm looking at a poster of it right now. Just, oh. Yeah. Oh, just No. The guy who is part of it, he's all wrong. Olden Ehrenreich? Uh, he's so bland and uninteresting. Yeah. He's the most, like, wonderbread-looking motherfucker. He possesses none of the charisma or roguish charm of Harrison Ford. Oh, this is this is cool, I guess. Hollywood Reporter, June 26, uh, 2017. Uh... Lucasfilm later hired an acting coach for Aaron Reich as they were unhappy with his performance prior to this decision. <laughs> so why did he still get the role? I don't know. I feel like you could have casted anybody else. Yeah. 
Yeah, according to comicbook.com, a uh, source claims Disney preparing for Solo to bomb. <laughs> Which is, you know, sad. Yeah. Um, but let's think about what let's think about what's coming out next year. A lot of franchises are coming out next year. Yeah, finally we'll have what the Marvel movies are building up to. Infinity Avengers, War. Infinity War. But personally, I'm more looking forward to Black Panther. Me too. Because you know what? Finally have some black people as superheroes. Yes. It's about goddamn time. Yeah. It's been a long time coming since, well, I guess since Shaft. And we will not talk about Steel, but. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Sorry, what? <clears throat> but yeah. yeah. Okay. Black Panther. You know what? As much as I say, like, you know, I'm kind of done with, like, superhero movies. Black Panther does look legitimately good. It does. You know what else is coming out next year? Deadpool 2. Oh, yeah. With, uh... Who's that guy? Uh, Josh Brolin is yeah, Cable. Yeah, Josh Brolin. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be interesting to see Cable on, on cinema. <laughs> Josh Brolin is busy next year. Yeah, yeah. He, not yeah. only does he have Deadpool two coming out, not only does he play Cable, yeah. he plays Thanos in yeah, uh, Infinity yeah. War. Yeah, he plays he plays Thanos, and man. <laughs> He's also in the uh, sequel to uh, Sicario that's coming out next oh, really? year. Yeah, Soldado. Huh. <clears throat> I actually did like Sicario. Uh, is Emily Blunt coming back? I don't see her on the huh. cast list. Hmm. Hmm. You know, you know, I I also always had a problem differentiating between Emily Blunt, Felicity Jones, and Amelia Clark. <laughs> and Amelia Clark, yeah. <laughs> so they're all uh, like British women with brown hair. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Emily Blunt has red hair. Yeah, but she usually plays like brunettes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> The, a movie I'm a little bit a cu- little bit curious about, but also uh, cautious about as well, is Ready Player One. You know, uh, everyone seems to be optimistic for it, but I'm kind of skeptical about it. Yeah, I'm. After the trailer um, came out, it, there's there's something about it that kind of. I mean, all of the references and all of the like nostalgia callbacks are there, and that is the point of the novel. But I was like, "There's something about the movie that makes me go, I don't know about this." Right. Right, and you have to under- you have to understand, folks. <clears throat> uh, I love the book. I've read the book like five or six times, and each time I'm still captivated by it maybe even more so with each successive reading. So 
I mean, we'll see what happens. We will definitely see what happens. Um, Spielberg's directing, right? He is. And even there, I feel like, you know, he might be a little bit too old to direct it, but then again, he also might be the perfect director for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the. I guess this is part of the broader thing that I'm seeing in not just cinema, but it's like all of like pop culture is heavily relying on nostalgia. Like you can see mm-hmm. this in Stranger Things. You can see this in Ready Player One. You can see this in all like the retro, you know, R-E-T-R-A-O-X, uh, as in fake retro video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do kind of feel like things are going to be reaching a peak and 2018 may be the year. It might be. It might be for, for all we know. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think we 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 talked about some actors and actresses that are gonna be having a pretty good year next year. So uh, Saoirse Ronan, uh, Margot Robbie, I think they're gonna have great years next year. Definitely, that Mary's Queen of Scots movie is gonna be really interesting. What a great mm-hmm. cast and the director. She is. I think her name is Josie Rourke. She's not really a film director. She she did a lot of uh, Shakespeare and uh, a bunch of theater. But, yeah. I mean, who else would be better to direct that time period than someone who's that familiar with Shakespeare, you know? Mm. Yeah. And, um, of course, uh, Alicia Vikander. Um I'm looking forward to her Tomb Raider, but that's probably just because me uh, wanting to see her on the big screen. Yeah. <laughs> she had a movie this year that was, like, kind of bad. <laughs> what was she? Wait, tulip was she Fever. Or Tulip Lover tulip. or something. Hmm. It was just a hot mess. <laughs> Uh, the tulip fever, yeah. Yeah. Ha, 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think uh, I think Aubrey Plaza, she'll probably have a pretty good year. She's in a movie called An Evening with Beverly Luff Lynn. It's supposed to be a comedy with uh, Jermaine Clement from uh, Flight of the Concords. So I'll probably, probably watch that. I think Chris Pratt might also have a good year. Yeah, as Chris well. Pratt. He's in he's, he's, in, he's a, in that uh, you know uh, Jurassic Park sequel, the Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, featuring the return of Jeff Goldblum as uh, as uh, 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 yes uh, 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 Doctor uh, uh, Ian uh, Malcolm. Must go faster. Must must go faster. Must go faster. Also, I. You know what? I I didn't like Thor, and many people disagree with me, but I love Jeff Goldblum in Thor. (laughs) He was great. He was so fucking awkward. He is not playing a character. He someone just like okay, Jeff, uh, Mr. Goldblum. Sorry, uh, we 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 want you in 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 this superhero movie. Get just uh, and then he just like. Let's go. <laughs> it's like, 
It's like, okay, I'm in. Let's do this. Let's do this. He is, I can't even describe his character as a grandmaster. He's just, oh my God. He's like, and uh, let let the battle begin down there. So, oh, oh, slaves say, don't don't say slaves. Say prisoners with jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Say say prisoners with jobs. You're you're one and only uh, Incredible Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. It was definitely the highlight of that movie. Yeah. Which I will maintain the Thor movies are the least essential parts of the Marvel franchise. See, for me, I actually uh, enjoyed Thor. I thought it was very well done. I actually thought it was the most hilarious superhero movie I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I could see that. Which I, I guess that's that's saying something. Yeah, I think that's really saying a lot towards the Thor movies in general that nobody really takes them seriously. Yeah, it is a uh, it is a little odd that. It's it's half a Thor movie and half a Hulk movie put together. So, yeah. Well, like, like you you and I, we're the same. Yeah, Hulk and Thor same. We're all like fire. It's like <laughs> it's like. I mean, I'm a little bit like fire too. Yeah, but Hulk like raging, fire, fire, fire. Thor, Thor like little baby fire. <laughs> Uh, I do appreciate appreciate the fact that M- Mark Ruffalo was actually did the voice of Hulk as well, yeah. not Lou Ferrigno again. Yeah, and I and I appreciate him as the not uh, when he's not in the Hulk uh, form, and he's just yeah. also completely lost. He's <laughs> like, it's like, what the hell happened? It's like, oh, you, oh no, no, you, no, oh, no, no, way, no, you, no, 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 you and I got in a fight. Did, did I win? No, definitely not. Doesn't sound right. <laughs> they actually oh, play yeah, off yeah. each other so well. Yeah. Um, Chris Hemsworth. I mean, we saw him in Ghostbusters as a silly guy. I think he needs more silly roles, you know? He does. He does need more silly roles. He could, he could be a Schwarzenegger. He could. For all we know, where he 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 kind of got known for for the lunkier roles, but he has some uh, comedic talent. And right. I mean, you know, ninety percent of the Schwarzenegger humor is just him maintaining his accent in ostensibly Angelino characters. But I mean, Schwarzenegger is pretty funny. Yeah, no, he is. Go get to the chopper. Oh man, we definitely need to do a Schwarzenegger episode. Um, you know, uh, I think Thor and um, some of the lines in Justice League and uh, Star Wars it, it kind of highlights some of the thing that I'm seeing is like where everything needs to be a little silly, and yes. and and like does it. There's well, some I mean, there's some dialogue that I felt that was out of place in uh, in Star Wars, and I mean I know it's Star Wars is like you know there's always the comedic element, yeah. but I don't know. There 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 there's 
I feel like some of the 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 silliness is kind of like you know when when Ray said she was from Jakku and Skywalker and Luke said uh, yeah that is pretty much nowhere. It's like does that really need <laughs> to be you know lampshaded? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I mean, like that Poe bit in the beginning with General Hux. Like, I thought that was okay. You know, <laughs> no, that, that was that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself like, you know, okay, they're gonna start off with a, you know, with a comedic tone and build uh, for the uh, build for the eventual climax. Okay. Yeah. Which they did, which I completely, uh, which I completely enjoyed. Yeah. Or like you know, I mean, like I guess like Ray being flustered when she saw Kylo Ren shirtless. Like, I mean, yeah, right. I guess that's silly, but like, does it have to be silly? Right. And it, 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 it's also where like some of Batman's lines in Justice League was kind of like silly for silliness sake and not really like this is not Batman's character in the Snyderverse. And that is pretty much like the S- Snyder's fault for not writing a more dry or humorous Batman. But well, you you have to understand that Zack Snyder, he only directed half of it. He that's was called true. away because his daughter passed away. Yeah. And uh, Joss Whedon was brought in to do, you know, the rest of the movie. And uh, uh, Joss Whedon turning to the dark side. He's on the other team now. Yeah. And uh, you can obviously tell when Joss Whedon was brought in. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, and everyone's uh, everyone's talking about uh, Henry Cavill's upper lip. Yeah, it's uh, it's just as bad as you think. <laughs> oh my god also with with thor ragnarok i feel like uh kate blanchett was a was a villain that was too serious for the movie so it's like everything's funny is happening around her and then she's just like self-serious mm-hmm. yeah i mean was she an intimidating villain yeah, yeah, she was. But on the other hand, it's like it was just so so camp. Yeah, it was like something out of a Adam West Batman or something. Yeah, so I guess that's pretty much 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't really want to order my movies, but I guess uh, some of the top ones that I saw this year was. Uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, Lady Bird, Star Wars The Last Jedi, Disaster Artist. And uh, I also did legitimately like Coco, despite, you know, my aversion to watching cartoons. Um, (laughs) I also like this anime movie, Your Name. It was really good. It's basically a body swap rom-com, but it's it's really touching. And if you haven't seen it, you should see it. It's got a great soundtrack, okay. too. Um, a Ghost Story, uh, another good movie, Dunkirk, um, and Get Out. I think mm-hmm. those are those are my top choices for 2017. And I think my top choices would be uh, uh, Get Out, 
Dunkirk, uh, Logan Lucky, Baby Driver, The Disaster Artist, Last Jedi. Wow, I am. Oh, uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. How many is that? Eight, nine. Uh, shit, I need one more. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Logan. Yeah. I'm not, my choices are actually no, scratch that. I'm putting uh, the problem with a poo up there. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was a good. It was a pretty good year. Um, it was a good year, yeah. And you know, uh, speaking on the real life side, uh, we've referenced it a couple of times in this episode and previous episodes. But we are happy to see uh, people go down for being pieces of shit in Hollywood. Yes. And uh, hopefully, uh, twenty eighteen continues to be the year white men are canceled. Yes, please continue building that momentum. And I mean. Uh, you know, it's not just white men, but the people who are doing it and are finally paying for it are people like Weinstein, uh, Singer, Ratner. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's good because uh, for too long, uh, people have known about them and uh, they've had their defenders. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think 2018. Anybody, uh, anybody uh, diddling uh, people? You're going without down. consent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, diddling is is implied without consent. Right. Oh my <laughs> god. Do people still use that word? I think diddling? only Ned Flanders. I think only oh, Ned god. Flanders gets a pass. Uh, that's because he doesn't <laughs> molest people. Right. Although. That we know of. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess the joke is that Flanders is this exceedingly milquetoast normal man and Homer just hates him for no reason. Right. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But I am I am looking forward to see what 2018 offers us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to 2018. Hopefully there's a lot more documentaries out. Um, mm-hmm. A lot more women directing and getting recognized for directing and writing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, as much as I'd hate to see, uh, I guess, blockbusters kind of bottom out, I think maybe uh, they should uh, scale back on these big ass uh, overinflated Epics. budgets. Because, I mean, th- think about it. There was The Mummy, there was The Dark Tower, there was. Uh, Power Rangers, mm-hmm. there's Kingsman, Kingsman. There's so many Blade fucking Runner. blockbusters coming out in recent years that this kind of thing is unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everyone's trying to spin off their own universes, and it's yeah, it's probably not going to happen, especially with the rate of blockbusters coming out every week. Right. Um. I'm still a champion of the indies. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hopefully a lot of... I do want a lot more international films to somehow be screened in U.S. cinemas. 
yeah, like, like it's great. It's still kind of hard. You have like these, yeah, like I guess art house type places in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and mm-hmm. L.A. and big cities, but not as much in multiplexes, which I guess I understand. But they're missing out on a lot of good movies. Right. Oh, here's a here's a patriotic plug. Uh, and also, I guess, a family plug. One of my uncles uh, made a movie, an Indonesian movie, called Night Bus. And it won Best Movie in the Indonesian Film Festival. It's a... Very nice. It's a very fucked up movie, to be sure. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, set in a nondescript part of Indonesia where there's a sectarian conflict. And this bus has to pass through a war zone. And uh, oh, hijinks wow. ensue. Hijinks, eh? Yeah. It's not a fun movie. It, it, it actually, you know, because I know a lot of people who... Because I know the news happening at the time, and I know people who live in that region. It is kind of... It is kind of heavy. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a good movie if you can find, like, a subbed version, maybe. I don't know if they've dubbed the movie, but I'm sure it's subtitled. I yeah. think it might be shot around to some... I think it was in Berlin this year and uh, Venice. I don't know if it made it to like Sundance or anything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 2017, pretty good year for movies. Yeah. And uh, it was. It's a great year. All right. What do you want to close with? Ooh. Hmm. How about uh, some some of the epic uh, Hans Zimmer music from uh, Dunkirk? Yeah, sounds good. All right. All right, this has been another episode of Questions Like This, and this is another extra-length episode. We gave you all a rundown of what's happened and what's going to happen, what we liked and what we didn't like. And uh, as always, uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, Our email is in the episode description. And yeah, join us next time for for something. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be something, all right. But uh, anyway, we just wanted to wish you guys uh, uh, a very happy uh, new year. Hope 2018 is... Uh, one of your best, and uh, uh, we'll be back uh, with our uh, quote-unquote hot takes on uh, different topics in the film industry. Yeah, uh, my name is Aristo. And I'm Alex. And thanks for listening. Uh, Happy New Year. Take care, everyone.